Principal Matters Podcast, episode 231. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the School Leaders Podcast, where each week we bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your school leadership. You can find all my resources at my website at williamdparker.com. This week, we're talking about keeping your promises with my special guest and co-host, Jen Schwanke. Jen Schwanke is the principal at Indian Run Elementary in Dublin, Ohio, and the author of two ASCD books on school leadership. Jen Schwanke, it's always so great to see you. Welcome back. Hi, thank you. It's great to see you too. How are you faring this week? You know, this has been a great week. I, I was able to get up this morning and in the cold January weather, do a little running with my dog, Ivy. You and I have talked before about the fact that uh, uh, I think your husband and I have something in common and that we resisted putting, <laughs> bringing pets into our home. And then once they came, they became ours. And so I, uh, I, have, uh, I have a great love and affection for our dog, Ivy, that I go running with uh, two or three yeah. times a week. We were, my husband was resistant to the dog. And now um, I think I said to you, I can't break them up. I can't get them apart. <laughs> but yeah, Roxy's my running partner too. It was a crisp 14 degrees in Ohio this morning. And that daggone dog looked at me and I had to go out and run her. So <laughs> it was one of those days where my breath froze my eyelashes, but um, persevered through it. I will definitely be ready for spring, but um, still have some weeks to go before we get well, there. Well, and this is the, obviously the audio version of our show. And if we were to post the video version, <laughs> <laughs> of this, which who knows, maybe someday we'll, we'll start posting these on YouTube. Uh, listeners would see a uh, orange uh, cat curled up above my shoulder on the couch that I'm sitting on. This okay. And, and listeners, let me just paint the picture a little bit better. Will <laughs> is holding his microphone and we were having a perfectly nice talk. And this cat came and is on his shoulder wrapped up in a tight, tight, tight little ball, happy as can be <laughs> to be part of this podcast. So I guess we have an additional guest today who will remain we, mute. <laughs> we do. We do. So we'll see how long that lasts. And uh, well, Jen, one of the things that I, I want to rewind for, for listeners and take you back to the summer when all of us were home in quarantines and spending a lot more time on our phones than we normally had in the rest of our lives. And our phones begin to, our social media channels begin to just explode with the tragic story of the death of George Floyd with um, marches that are happening around the country. Um, um, and as educators, and especially as education leaders, immediately trying to ask ourselves the question, how do we help translate this as leaders for our school communities? And you and I both talked about how our own individual communities, you in Dublin, Ohio, I live in the Tulsa, Oklahoma area, responded in ways that I thought were both compassionate and courageous, um, a, a huge outpouring of our community members who were showing solidarity with our um, black community members and and wanting to see a reckoning of of how can we live in communities where we know that um, especially those from our black communities will not be treated with discrimination and i remember at the time talking to you and gosh it was probably an episode three or four months back where you said well we made a lot of promises to ourselves this summer that I hope we can keep as, as we step into the school year. And of course, little did we know that the school year was going to all school year 
involve COVID precautions and the constant protocols. We were just hoping that we could, you know, by this time, see this all in the past, but it's not in the past. And now we're getting ready to step into Black History Month. And so you were so kind to suggest, let's talk about that, this show, Will, about what are some ways that we can, as white leaders, let's just be frank, talk about something that's so important to the black members of our school communities. So I just want to begin with that question. What, what are some thoughts that you think are helpful to have in mind for school leaders as they're stepping into this important month for so many of our um, community members? Well, I'm glad you started with the promise. I This summer, I scrolled through many a social media page where people said, we have to do better. We have to be better. We have to do change. And I got a little... Um, fatigued by thinking about that and not knowing what to do. Like what, well, what does that mean? And so I decided, and this is just my own personal journey. I decided, well, I have to learn. I, as a white leader, as a white female leader, I can't bluff this. I need to learn and I need to go deep and I need to read things that I didn't even know were there. And I need to ask questions and I need to listen. And I know a lot of us have honored that promise by, by doing the same thing. And I think we should acknowledge the conflict that many of us carry about Black History Month. Black history is something that we should talk about 12 months a year. It's something that, it, you know, to isolate it to one month is, is simultaneously irresponsible and, and disrespectful. And our country's history is a, a very long story and it can't be a, a part, a chapter of a story can't be boiled down into one month. And so, as a white leader, I tried to be very conscious of my ignorance and yet work to remedy it. And, you know, in, in my district, I'm so lucky to be led by some incredibly intelligent and insightful people who have helped us, you know, lead through finding resources and through having courageous conversations. And I know many districts around the country and, and indeed globally are doing the same thing. I agree. And and I know that one of the first commitments that a lot of us made was to education, you know, being willing to recognize as as white educators that there were probably some things that we were not aware of, our own blind spots or our own lack of depth and understanding the history of racism in America, too. And so, you know, for me, Jen, a lot of uh, this past year was was recognizing the areas where I needed growth myself to make sure that I was not just wanting to listen, but also wanting to learn. Um, so I, and I'll just give you a couple of examples. I I spent uh, quite a bit of the summer reading through Open Wide the Freedom Gates by Dorothy Height, who was a civil rights leader from the early parts of the 20th century um, and was on the forefront of what happened in the civil rights movement all the way through the late 20th century. She was actually uh, a I would say in a way, a mentor of Martin Luther King Jr. She was a young adult when he was a teenager and saw him grow into that movement. And she sat at the table with um, LBJ and with all these, with a lot of other civil rights leaders. And so as a black woman, being able to read her own story of how that cycle of what we're seeing as, as Americans in 2020 and 2021, what she lived through every decade of her life over and over and over again. And the protests that we're seeing and the the calls for justice that we're seeing are ones that she was championing and that Black Americans have been championing, if that's a verb, for a long time. 
And so, um, so that's for, for me, there's been a lot of, of trying to listen and, and trying to learn. And just most recently I've been listening to an audio book that has been um, really helpful if, uh, if you're looking for something that would be helpful for students. And this is um, a book by um, called Stamped yeah. um, by, yeah. by Jason Reynolds. Um, and it's just a, a powerful narrative of trying to understand racism from the perspective of American history, but, but in a way that's entertaining um, and that's really helpful for, for students too. So I think as leaders, um, being willing to learn ourselves and being willing to dive into some conversations that we probably haven't taken the time to dive into before is one place to start. Yes, I, I'm glad you mentioned not only that that story, but also the book Stamped. There's some wonderful resources out there. I listen to Stamp audiobook as well. I highly recommend. And then other ones that are are really taking traction are um, White Fragility. So you want to talk about race. My recommendation too would be Cast, which is a wonderful book by Isabel Wilkerson. Tough read. I'm telling you, it's a tough read. There were um, times I had to stop and just digest some of the information. It took me longer to read that book than it than it usually takes me to read books of that length because it's so deep and thick and, and a lot of reckoning. The other thing I encourage people to do is look locally. I actually decided again, this is my own journey, but I decided to take a class at a local university on um, equity and social justice. And this was just my way of holding myself accountable to learning. And you know, I live in the central Ohio area and in this class we're reading books and we're talking to people about where I live. There's a wonderful book called Getting Around Brown, Desegregation, Development and the Columbus Public Schools by Gregory Jacobs. It's a wonderful book and it's talking about the lawsuits that were brought up in in this in my town. And, and you know, it's talking about West Broad Street and Livingston Avenue, where places that I know. And it makes, it kind of shakes you a little to say, this is here, it was here. And in this class that I'm taking, there are, are students who experienced it, who were, you know, who got a, a phone call or a letter in the mail that said, you are being sent to a white school to desegregate it. And their lives changed with the receipt of that letter. And in this class, I have found the power and the space to be able to say, can you tell me how that felt? Can you tell me more about that? And so, you know, I, I don't think everybody can go off and just take a class, but if we really want to honor our promise to be better and do better, we have to find ways to connect ourselves to the experience with the people who are living around us and the people who not only were, but are still experiencing the kind of social injustices that we say we want to fix. I think that's, that's powerful, Jen, because reminding yourself that, um, that the, that racism isn't something out there. It's something in here and w even within our own communities. And for me, I live in Tulsa, the Tulsa area and the Tulsa race massacres that happened in the 1920s here are now something that people know about nationally, but for a long time, it, it was history that had been buried within our own state. And um, one of the most powerful things we did with our children, and this was before this summer was uh, a walk through that part of Tulsa with a, with a history teacher who, who took us through that whole narrative of this is, this is what happened in our city. You know, the, this is the story of what took place here. And this being able to actually walk on the same grounds and the same streets. And now when I visit my own city, realizing that this is the history that, that was the reality for so many people who are, are my neighbors um, and then reckoning with, 
what are some of the same either misconceptions or systemic problems that exist today that we have still not addressed yet? Those right. are those are the the harder questions that are coming to me through these kinds of reads. And the the thing is, if you can't find the story of where you live, then it needs to be told. It's there somewhere. Uh, a gentleman I spoke to in a different state, he said, I live in such a rural area and the, the uh, Black issue hasn't really come here. And I said, but it, ha- it is, it has. And, and, you know, there has to be some digging that's done. And then he told me about a story about a, a Black athlete who had come to his school uh, several years ago to um, perhaps or not play basketball. And um, he was kind of lifted up as a hero in this town because he was such a skilled basketball player. And I said, did you ever talk to him and see what his experience was like? And the principal said, no. And I said, well, it's not too late. Call him, find out what that was like and hear his story because that might be the first brick in a foundation of telling the story of your of the experience where you live. And I think, again, to take it back to the promise we made and, and the fact that we're looking at February and, and this month that where we should honor and celebrate the Black story, it can just be a, a time of inspiration. And, you know, you, you can also start by looking into the history of Black History Month. <laughs> and this is something, you know, it's every president since, I think it's, goodness, 1976, every president has continued to designate this month as Black History Month. And there's a theme every year. I don't know if people know that. The 2020 theme is Black Family representation, identity, and diversity. And the intention is to explore the Black story and the spread of Black families across the United States. And so we can all identify with stories of family. And this is a way that we can immerse ourselves in in the experience and the um, identity of those around us. Yeah. Well, I have some follow-up questions, Jen, about Black History Month as we can encourage meaningful activities for students. But before we go there, I, I, I want to stay here for just a little bit longer about, about our own learning. Um, but um, another um, podcast that I'd love to listen to is one by Phil Vischer, the former owner of VeggieTales. He does a, a podcast called uh, The Holy Post. And it's a, it's, it's a look at, at politics and, and a critique of, of how those politics are often exercised by um, by folks who embrace uh, religious beliefs too. But he was recently interviewing Jamar Tisby, who wrote the book, The Color of Compromise, and, which I've not read, but I highly recommend um, that book. And, and, and one of the things that Jamar Tisby said in that um, interview that I was really confrontational, but good, he said, listen, education is important, especially for those of you, uh, my white friends who are trying to understand racism more deeply than you have before, but action is also important too. And, and, and he actually gave a very small suggestion that I thought was powerful because he said things like, make sure you're involved in your communities, show up at your board of education meetings, see what's happening at your city council and, and look at it from the lens of your other community members, because you're going to see ways that you can be a voice for, for equality in your communities. But then he said, and also do a self-examination, ask, be willing to sit down and, and journal or think through your own race narrative what are some of the assumptions that you grew up with? What was the first time that you ever became aware of race? How did you respond to that? And how has that shaped the way that you see the world? And then ask yourself that other question, um, maybe what are some ways I need to be looking at the world differently? And so I, I just wanted to throw that out as a resource as well and, and those and those suggestions too. 
And I have a couple more, if we can still, if we can continue just a little bit longer. Sure. There's a, a wonderful book too called Unequal Childhoods, Class, Race, and Family Life. And this is a study of how the um, class and wealth and lack thereof is different in white families and black families. And again, this is a story that I think we can all relate to on some level, but it was the, the newest edition has an update a decade later than the original study, which is fascinating. And you know, one of my favorite sites um, I, I'm putting on my teacher hat a little bit here too, is look at the History Channel. There are some amazing stories and um, depictions there that can really help us both personally and as educators. And um, you know what I love doing is bumping around on the US Census Bureau site. There's a lot of data, a lot of statistics to consider and think about on your own time or with students. Um, but this is these are, are things that are out there for everyone to see that can help us patch together the story that we're looking for. And you know, as educators and as human beings, really, we have a responsibility to ensure accurate history depictions of our of our own stories so it's this is something we need to do and we promise to do it so now's the time to really to to do a self-audit so let's unpack for just a few minutes jen some of the practices in your school what are some things that you guys have historically been able to do to recognize and celebrate black history month or, or what are some things that you're looking at as a possible new things to add this summer, after all of the discussions and protests and turmoil that we that we experienced, I developed a special committee in, in my school. And this was again from our my fantastic leadership at the district level. We have an equity and inclusion committee at the building, and we've done professional development, the majority of it virtually, given our our situation this year. But we've done a lot of reading and talking, book studies, and some podcasts and some webinars about this topic, and we continue to read visit it. And then the, the people on that committee, it was all voluntary, but we have, you know, 12 or 13 people and we have, they have um, raised their hands to be resource, resource detectives, to find things that we can put in the hands of teachers and students to explore these topics a little bit farther. And we have just tried to hold one another accountable and to, um, you know, have, build safe places for all of us you know, no matter what color, no matter what place, class, no matter what background, we've tried to make this place um, one where we don't have to fear saying the wrong thing. And if we do say the wrong thing, that we will be corrected kindly and professionally and gently and learn from any missteps. So Jen, speak to a little bit too, because I know you've, you've thought through these things a little bit to the history of Black History Month, because I know sometimes people will be like, well, you know, shouldn't we be highlighting diversity every month of the year? And the answer is yes. But why why has this become a, a, a significant time for educators to pause and think about these things more deeply? You know, it's Black History Month has, has been around for quite some time. And I think for every single bit of that time, there's been a little bit of a struggle because it should be all the time that we honor the history of, of all races really around us. But February is a time for me that holds me a little accountable, you know, that, that where I say, you know, this is a nationwide effort to celebrate and honor our black leaders. And I think it's a mistake to just tell the Rosa Parks story or the Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. story. Those are important stories and they can be cornerstones. But 
there are many, many, many people that we can study, white and black alike, who have been immersed in this um, unpacking of American history for a long time. And, you know, we, we've had a, a notable inauguration just a, a few weeks ago where this, um, you know, our first black woman of Indian descent as our vice president of the United States. And regardless of what we think of that, we are educators and it's our duty to, to mark this time in our, in our nation's history. So, you know, I think February, I, I have a personal conflict with this too. I think it a, a month for anything, it's like national ice cream day. We don't just eat ice cream on that day. We do it year round. Right. But on that day we might eat extra ice cream. <laughs> so like it's, a, it's a time to pause and really make sure we're doing it right. Well, and, and I'm glad you brought up um, Kamala Harris because I, I, I do want to say this to principals out there. I think that because politics has become so polarizing, sometimes I think it's easy for us to miss moments that we should all be celebrating together, regardless of party, regardless of, of who you voted for. You know, if you think back to the election of Barack Obama, I, I do I often feel like we lost some moments there to really acknowledge and celebrate something that that America did celebrate at the time. But as I look back at my own personal history, I realize sometimes I'm not aware of how significant a moment it is until I'm down the road a little bit. And then I look back and go, oh my gosh, think about the significance of this. And I've been trying to remember that with the election of Kamala Harris. And, and it really came home to me when my three daughters, two in college, one a high school senior, were at the house the night that the election was called by the Associated Press. And, um, and so we turned on the news and, and there was... Um, that evening, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris were were thanking their supporters. And so it was the first time that she was able to address the public as the recognized winner of, of that election. And Jen, I looked across the living room and, you know, my two college daughters, my high school, there, there were just tears streaming down their face. And so at that moment, politics didn't matter anymore it, for them they saw someone who looked like them. Exactly. And so for us to miss out on this moment, I think it would be a travesty. I, I got a little, my throat closed a little as you were telling that story. This is a very emotional experience for any woman, I think, who has has watched something monumental happen. And I am, I'm with you. Usually I see clearly in my rearview mirror, um, but this one as a woman, um, I I get very emotional, just thinking how we have, we've broken through something and, you know, politics aside, who won, who didn't, why they should have, why they didn't, the possibility is what is different now. And looking across at your daughters and seeing them have this reaction to, to um, a, a new point in our nation's history is, is really, really powerful. And we've probably all seen the pictures where there's all the, all the gentlemen who have been, who have served as our vice president and then Kamala standing there. It, it's really astounding and noteworthy and it's our responsibility to honor it. And, um, you know, I, I'm pleased to be part of this history and, you know, I have a daughter too and her experience going forward is going to be different from mine. And I couldn't be, I couldn't be happier to watch that happen. Well, and I think that's a great way for us to wrap up this conversation is just a reminder that Black History Month may look different depending on what community that you live in, but for your students of color, um, making sure that they can celebrate and see people who look like them, who are who have had significant marks in the history of their own nation and in the development of 
the place where they live and making sure that we're giving our students the opportunity to see themselves reflected in the people that we're placing before them. Because I think so often, it, we, we talked about this before we started the show, how as white leaders do we best engage in this kind of um, recognition, knowing that we're limited in our own perspectives. And I think part of that is just putting yourself on the other side of that mirror. It's so easy to see ourselves reflected. I'm going to give you a really silly analogy, Jen, but my son Jack and I were going back through the Star Wars series, um, watching them on the Disney Channel. And so we pulled up the original Star Wars that I had seen when I was a little boy, you know, the, what we called Star Wars One, which was 1977, I think. And guess how many black actors we saw in that movie? Zero. And so then last night we were watching The Empire Strikes Back, which I remember came out in 1980 because I was just an 11-year-old kid. I was so excited about that movie. (laughs) And guess how many black actors were in The Empire Strikes Back? One, Lando Calrissian. (laughs) And so we we loved the movie, but then we paused afterwards and we were thinking – that was 1980 and all they could, all they could place into that entire, and that was a huge cast of that famous movie was one black character. And so, you know, it's so, but I didn't never even had those thoughts watching that movie as an 11 year old boy in 1980, but you know what? I'm sure there were a lot of other 11 year old black boys watching that movie, looking for someone who looked like them. And so I just think it's important for us to recognize that, you know, we, we're a diverse nation and we've always been a diverse nation, but especially now we have a responsibility to make sure we're reflecting to our students, people who they can relate to and aspire to be like. And so that's why this is such a powerful moment for us as educators to remember that. Well, and you know, I, I, I think we should acknowledge that, that sometimes be well all the time being white means you can't fully understand the black experience, but ignorance isn't an excuse to not ask or to listen. And, and we can't hide behind our fear that we'll say something wrong because that looks like silence. And there's no, there's nothing to be lost from saying, Hey, tell me more. I need to learn. I want to learn. And this is the time to do it. We're, we're motivated to do it. So um, good, good conversation. And I'm, I hope that everyone, all the listeners took something away from this because we're in it together. We're really on this learning curve mm-hmm. together. Well, principals, as you're w- walking into this next month, we don't have these conversations. So you feel guilty of, oh my gosh, I need to do more. Uh, it's just a reminder that we're all still learning together. And that's the joy of being lead learners, being principals is that we can't stop learning either, because if we're going to lead schools that encourage curiosity and discovery and um, understanding that we have to stay curious. We have to keep seeking understanding and we have to keep discovering truth too. So Jen, thank you so much for those takeaways. Principal Memanders yeah. listeners, you, you've got one more thing to add. I, I just want to, I just want to acknowledge for our listeners that the cat is still there. <laughs> Will's cat has not moved. I don't know. You might have to spend the rest of your afternoon there just so the cat <laughs> can get a good nap. So yes, thank you, Principal Matters listeners. It is a pleasure as always. We'll see you next time. Thank you. If you'd like other free resources like this one, you can check out all my posts at williamdparker.com.